So lights on that so, so it's good to see people <laughs> no lights on that one that one perfect oh there you are yes <laughs> they're in the void <laughs> now they come to light Om Stapakaya Dharmasya Sarva Dharmasarupine Avatara Vadishtaya Ramakrishna Yamangalam. So it is a very, very great pleasure to be. I think, how many years have we been doing this? Four? Maybe four, yeah. Maybe four. So this yes. has become a nice tradition. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, coming to Samaji Puja here is a great, great honor. I remember many years, I was maybe 18 years old or something like this, and we'd come, Aparupananda, we'd be doing Puja, Krishna Puja, one of these. And, and sometimes I like imagine like they have unique puja nitans over the cart they're dipped in silver or metal or something like that. Yeah. So, like, well, I'd be like to do puja here. <laughs> <laughs> inconceivable that the idea. So there's a verse somewhere that says that the Lord fulfills the noble desires of the devotees. I've had about three or four noble desires. That was one of them. So he's luckily he's having fulfilled all of my desires, at least the noble ones. <laughs> so um, I'll start with some the the, the puja we did. There's a the system of puja we do. We first meditate. There's a dhyan mantra, a mantra that describes the form and qualities of the deities worshiping. And then we and then after the dhyan mantra we do the offer of the items, and then there's a pranam pranam mantra, a salutation. The pranam, the dhyan mantra, the meditation mantra, Sri Ramakrishna. I'll just read the English version of this. It's, to me, it's very significant. It's very moving to me. The universal teacher, Vishwacharyam, Jagat Vandyam, who is the, uh, worshipped by the entire world. The universal teacher, adored by the world in the form of Vivekananda, Vivekananda Rupam, born from Vireshwara. This is the result. His mother did have special pujas done in Banaras. Uh, there's a famous uh, Shiva temple there called Vireshwara Shiva, and people prayed to have children. And so he, she believed that it was Vireshwara's, Vireshwara Shiva's grace that Swamiji was born. In the Ramakrishna tradition, we feel not only is it by the grace of Vireshwara, but he is Vireshwara. He, that Vireshwara himself was born from Vireshwara. And Vireshwara is, is a heroic aspect <coughs> of Shiva. Swamiji had this heroic Virya type of quality. Descended from the seven circle of sages. This is where we have to think a little bit. Sri Ramakrishna said that he had a vision, or that he saw that he, that, or we assume it's he, we saw a small child going higher and higher and higher, above realm after realm, above even the, the absolute non-dual state, to another state, which is very interesting, a state beyond the non-dual state. Right? And there he saw seven rishis meditating. And, and the little boy, little child, went to the lap of one of them, sat in his lap and kind of tugged on his beard. He opened his eyes. And by, by, by motion, he said, I'm going down, you follow me. But there he said that, that we can imagine our interpretation is, the child is Sri Ramakrishna, and Swamiji is one of the seven sages. So this says that also. He's born, descended from the circle of seven sages, who can confer knowledge and devotion, jnana and bhakti, with lotus-like eyes and a golden body. We meditate upon that divine cluster of light who is ever doing good to the world. This is my favorite line. The divine cluster of light ever doing good to the world. <coughs> this is very... Uh, I really, the, the, what he plays really shows that, that he's like this infinite con 
infinite ocean of consciousness mm-hmm. in the form manifest over the body. Because, you know, we spend, I spend a lot of time reading Vivekananda's Swamiji's words and trying to analyze what he meant and what would he, what would he say now and what would he relate to this political issue or this philosophical, this theological issue. That's my obsession. Right? But we forget, like, wh- whatever he thought or did or said, you know, who he was, it was, it was very overwhelming to think about. But if, you, if we think about who he was, the mind cluster of light, the form of our Lord Videshwara Shiva, one of the seven sages, only and so whoever he was, what he was doing was only doing good to the world. That's what this monster said. So what was so then we have to think, what did he do? Right? Well he only did good to the world. And we know I mean we can if you were to analyze what Swamiji actually did, the the programs he started, the things he organized, the lectures he gave, the classes he gave, the letters he wrote, it's really amazing. He came to America in eighteen ninety three. He died in, you know? 1902. 1902. How many years is that? Nine years. So, so his whole public life is nine years. Right? Of that, four were spent sick, mostly sick, maybe not working. So if you think about that, we think of what Swamiji did. We have nine volumes of his works, probably more as we're collecting them. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, with eight volumes, it was nine volumes. I think the new version probably had more than <laughs> nine volumes. Right? You know, it's, like, it's amazing. And, and if, you can, if you compare his works, most of the talks were given without notes. The Hindu, he read the Hinduism paper, right? <laughs> the only paper that we know that he read, he just spoke, right? And he rarely, I mean, he had themes, but he didn't repeat himself. It's all original ideas, really amazing. You think what he, what he intellectually presented and other things he did. So doing good to the world. So last year, when I started my, when I thought I was going to give this talk, Instead of, <laughs> instead of <laughs> this talk. <laughs> so I have to be careful and stop giving last year's talk again. But <laughs> do, I, do, do I back up too much? And then can, every, can everybody hear in the back? Can you hear? Okay. okay. Uh, so last year was an auspicious anniversary. It was the 125th anniversary of the Parliament of Religions. So that's why I said, oh, we'll speak on the Parliament of Religions. I'm fascinated by the Parliament of Religions. Historically, it's so important. And and really, it was it was the first it was the first type of um, interfaith gathering, pretty much in the West for sure. There were some, um, um, and nothing like it even in the world. Maybe the first in the world like that. That it was conceived as a meeting of religions, on a not exactly equal, but equal-ish, more equal. Maybe <laughs> talked a bit about that. The the, the the implied prejudices and things that were that were set up in in from last year, but. So, what, and of course, everybody had, there's, there's hundreds of people who came, many, many delegates that came, and each one came representing their religion, right, their religion, or even usually they came representing their sect of their religion, right? There were, he was, not, Samaji was not the only Indian on the, on, on the platform, right? There was two members of the Brahma Samaj that were also there, right? And there, and there were uh, a Sri Lankan uh, Buddhist was there. And the, the Brahma Samaj were not representing Hinduism, they were representing the Brahma Samaj. Right? Swamiji was only representing Hinduism. Right? Of course, you know, and of course, if you read the Hinduism paper, it's very fascinating what he said, what his presentation to the world of Hinduism. But he didn't just represent Hinduism, he represented all religions. He was the only one person who spoke about all religions. His opening talk was about all religions. His closing talk was about, about all religions. Right, you know, the harmony of religion, like that no one religion is right, no one religion should win, you know, this is his message. So this is his message, his representation of, as Hinduism was actually a very universal message. And so I think it's interesting that his first thing that came out of his mouth publicly, if you consider, I mean, we have conversations like that in India and even in America before then, 
but his first public official talk. I'll read you the first, and you, you must know some of these things. Um, this is one thing he said the first September 11th, right? 126 years ago. I will quote to you, brethren, a few lines from a hymn that I remember to have repeated from my earliest boyhood, which is even which is every day repeated by millions of human beings, as different streams having their source in different paths, which men take through different tendencies, various though they appear, crooked or straight, all lead to thee. This is one of the first things he said. Really amazing, right? It's a quote Could you piece. slow down a little bit? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I think last, that was my problem last year, too. <laughs> you called me on it last year. I get excited to keep talking. I'll try. I can try to slow down. I think my last slow down. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, um, this I think is a verse from the Shiva Mahimasthotam, right? We chant it on, we actually, we chant it. And it's a. And it's also, it's a, a beautiful, it's the sannyasi tradition. You said this is an Arati hymn, most sannyasi ashram. They chant Mahimastotam, we chant Mahimastotam. So. But it's interesting that like his opening, his opening message, what, prayer, what verse could he pull from? Which text, which, which, what you have Vedas, the Puranas. And, and, and Shiva Mahimastotam is a, is a sectarian verse. I mean, it's a hymn to Shiva, right? But he took the verse that even within, within the, the devotion to Shiva, that universalizes it. That you, O oh Shiva, you are that to which everyone is coming. Right? You're, you're a specific deity, understood by a specific religion, but you're the one that everyone's coming, crooked or straight through their tendency. Right? And he says, The present convention, which is one of the most august assemblies ever held, is itself a vindication, a declaration to the world of the wonderful doctrine preached in the, preached in the Gita. Now, we have 700 verses of the Gita. He chose a very interesting verse to, to, to start with. Whoever comes to me, to whatever form, I reach him. All men are struggling through paths which in the end lead to me. Right, this is very interesting why he chose that verse. Sectarianism, bigotry, and its horrible descendant, fanaticism, have long possessed this beautiful earth. They have filled the earth with violence, drenched it often and often with human blood, destroyed civilizations, and sent whole nations to despair. Had it not been for these horrible demons, human society would have been far more advanced than it is now. <coughs> this is a, 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 a meeting on world religion. Let's, let's, let us be realistic what religion has done. This is what religion has definitely done. But their time has come. Right? And I fervently hope that the bell that tolled this morning in honor of this convention may be the death knell of all fanaticism, of all persecutions with the sword or with the pen, of all uncharitable feelings, between persons when, excuse me, wending their way to the same goal. So this is, I mean, he said a few other things, but also his other things are set up for this. I'm proud to belong to a nation that has sheltered the purest, I mean, the, the Jews after the, after the fall of the temple, where the Parsis, where the, um, uh, the Zoroastrians had found, you know, his statement about India, about, about, about Hinduism, is a culture and a nation and a, and a way of life that, 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 that um, uh, uh, embraces or respects or honors or has a place for many different traditions with the understanding in some way that they go to the same goal eventually, right? According to the Gita, according to some uh, Hinduism. So we have the second talk was the talk on Hinduism, which is spectacular. All the big Gita zingers, you know, the sin to call a man a sinner, all these great statements. There's every verse in there you can highlight. So fascinating. It's incredible. And then he, then, then he responded to literally introduce them. Now, some of you will criticize Buddhism. That was his introduction. <laughs> right? 
because they were in a certain sense kind of pitting each other away to see, you know, let, let them argue it out. And he, in classic form, who am I to criticize you? I consider to be God. All right, who I worship is God. How will I criticize him? Still, if something has to be said, there is different. There's still differences between the philosophies and the cultures. Something can be said. He said something, you know, but still he started with that. Still, I'm not playing by your rules. I worship him as God himself, right? Uh, uh, and then, and then he gave a very the famous story about the the, the a little he there's like a, a two paragraph he gave up and spoke for two paragraphs, right? And sat back down. That's the well the, the frog in the well, you know, these are very famous ones about small minded and, and, and grand mindedness. We're not going to it's a great story. And then his final maybe he talked once more and then he gave his final address. His final address so his open address, brothers and sisters, sisters I'm sorry. Sisters and brothers are <laughs> This is unique. <laughs> they have a good response. So they have a good line, you know. Um, but what did he, his final, on September 27th, so some time later. Much has been said of the common ground of religious unity. That's the topic of the, of the parliament. I am not going just now to venture my own theory. But if anyone here hopes that this unity will come by the triumph of any one religion and the destruction of others, to him I say, brothers, yours is an impossible hope. Do I wish that Christians would become Hindus? God forbid. Do I wish that Hindus or Buddhists would become Christians? God forbid. The seed is put in the ground, the earth and the air and water are placed around it. Does the seed become the earth or the air the water? No, it becomes a plant. It develops after the law of its own growth assimilates the air, the earth, and the water, converts them into plant substances, grows into a plant. Similar is the case of religion. The Christian is not to become a Hindu or a Buddhist, nor a Hindu or a Buddhist to become a Christian. Each must assimilate the spirit of the other, yet preserve his individuality, and grow according to his own law of growth. He says, I'm not going to put my own theory, but now he gives his theory. <laughs> he hasn't really developed, this is just the first declaration of one of Svavikananda's great theories. If the parliament has shown us anything, has shown anything to the world, it is this. It has proved to the world that holiness, purity, and charity are not the exclusive possessions of any church in this world, and that every system has produced men and women of the most exalted character. In the face of this evidence, if anybody dreams of an exclusive survival of his own religion and the destruction of others, I pity him from the bottom of my heart. And point out to him that upon the banner of every religion will soon be written, in spite of resistance, and they've lost resistance, that help and not fight, assimilation and not destruction, harmony and peace and not dissension. This is some of these final words of the Parliament. So, so this is his first public display. I mean, so what did he, after that, of course, the success of the parliament, he was an instant, uh, uh, became very popular, and that pu pushed him onto the, um, to the American stage, you know, and, and, and therefore from that to the world stage, and then, of course, back to India, and he, we know um, everybody here, you know, we're all devotees of Swamiji and Thakur, so you, you already know. But, so what else did he do? He, in America, he established centers, he won lecture tours, he, and he, he spoke many things about religion, he initiated disciples, he initiated sannyasis, he made preachers, tried, tried, not always successful, not everybody that he, that he tried to put forth his teachers succeeded due to human frailties. Um, 
But you know, so we know Swamiji has spiritual teachings. As disciples of Swamiji, as followers of Swamiji, we have his spiritual teachings. But what was his teachings to the world? Right? They're the teachings, Krishna said there's outer teeth and inner teeth of an elephant. You know, so the outer teeth is the external teachings of religion and the inner teach inner teeth that's what what the elephant uses to fight others, right? The big tusks. Mm-hmm. And the inner teeth is what he eats. He uses to eat his own food. Mm-hmm. Right? And so usually we understand that story of uh, image of Sri Ramakrishna is that you have the external part of religion, right, and then the internal part of religion, we consider mysticism or esoteric. That's a common interpretation. I'm stretching the image a little bit. That his inner teachings are to his like the spiritual teachings and practices of mantra and meditation for his that he gave specifically to his disciples and grand disciples and to all of us through the tradition and his lineage. But there's a message for everyone else. Right, and including us, we're everyone else, but we're also everyone, and so and, and every, us and everyone else is an object external teaching. And so I think a lot, and if I sometimes, you know, today, yes, yesterday in the news, I don't know if you saw, you know, some uh, um, nine bodies were found in the jungle in South America, literally beaten to death with Bibles. You know, so it's like, it's like we, the, the world needs Swamiji to come in, that's what it falls down. So we're not, we're not finished yet. This, his dream has not happened yet, right? You know, even like, well, I dream that the, the death, the, the bell that rang today will be the death of all fanaticism and all violence in religion. We know 108 days, 108 years to the day, to the day was a 9-11 attack, right? But not, and so you see, we're not there yet. We still need Swamiji's message, you know? So, so what was, okay, what was Swamiji's message on this? So, um, or where did Swamiji get this idea? We know that he was Thakur's chosen vessel, right? He, 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 he literally like, signed his ordination paper. Narendra will teach inside and out you know, and signed, it, signed his name, you know, or Jaishirai, right? And drew a picture of him. He was like, when he said you have the command of God, Thakur gave Swamiji the command to preach, right? To be a teacher amongst his own disciples and to enter the world, right? And <coughs> so, we assume then that everything he's saying is inspired by Sri Ramakrishna in one sense, right? He believed, you know, we, we have the nine volumes of his uh, unprepared lectures. He would say in other places that he heard at night Sri Ramakrishna's voice lecturing him. And the next day he'd, 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 he'd word that in his own way, what he'd speak. So we, these are things we have on faith, as long as he was guided by Thakur, right? Uh, uh, like this. But he, he was, as sitting at the feet of Thakur, he learned many things. And, and, and he himself said, I'm taking two or three of Thakur's ideas and presenting them. Thakur is a reservoir of infinite ideas, infinite ideas, infinite uh, teachings. Thak- Swamiji gave a few of them that he thought was, would be useful for the, uh, his own word, for universal humanity, right? And so he sat at the, at the feet of Sri Ramakrishna, who is a great devotee, a great saint, and have a, we believe an avatar of the divine itself. Um, uh, and whose spiritual practices seem to be unprecedented. At least maybe, maybe there have been other people like Sri Ramakrishna, but there's no record of them, right? Nobody, the type of spiritual type of experiences uh, that, he, that, that he went through. And he came, he believed, of course, by his devotion, he realized by the grace of Divine Mother, he realized Divine Mother as, as the universal being. And then by her grace, he believes that she led him to practice other religions the other sects within his own tradition, within the Hindu tradition, um, even competing sects. You know, these are these are not people. Like, we have different religions here, but in India, you know, uh, 
certain Vaishnavas or certain Shaivites and Vaita Vedantins and Vaita Vedantins. These are just, the differences are just as strong as between the big two or three religions on our world stage. You know, they can be very strong. He practiced various, uh, by her grace, was led to different teachers, practiced different sadhanas, and then he realized and, and therefore declared by his own experience that literally a truth, like that statement from the Vedas, truth is one, sages describe it differently, or Papa's example of, 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 of different, what Swamiji is saying, different paths to the same goal. Right? And so his very modern, contemporary idea of universality of religion right, uh, was not a trend. It wasn't like, we, we may feel that way, it should be this way, it needs to be that way. Otherwise, we can't hold religion sometimes. I, if it wasn't this, I'd probably give up religion. It's otherwise, it's, 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 it's more bad than good, right? It, it has to be this way. We know it has to be this way. There has to be a universal uh, um, uh, um, heart of the whole thing, you know. Um, but we feel it should be this way. We don't know that it's this way. Sri Ramakrishna declared the unity of religion and the truth of religion, religion from his own experience, by his own sadhana. And he also believes, Shardananda strongly argues in, in the Lila Prashanga, that he believed it was Kali herself, the Divine Mother, who gave this teaching to the world through him. Right, Sri Ramakrishna's own, if we believe Shardananda, who's you know, got a very big book on this topic, you know, <laughs> interpreting Sri Ramakrishna's life and teachings and experiences, and his Sri Ramakrishna had self-understanding that for the first time in history, the Divine Mother has done something amazing through him by revealing this universality, this, this as many, what is it, the um, Dattomat, Dattopat, you know, this, that, that very statement, it's a simple statement, like different opinions, different religions, different, different paths, or just different paths to the same, so it's a simple idea. It's not that simple, <laughs> and we'll see. It's actually really, really complicated to make it work, but to him it was his lived experience, and he believed that the Divine Mother, Kali herself, gave this to him, and therefore to the world. And then Swamiji Thakur, the first talk I ever gave here was on this topic, on how Swamiji chose, how Thakur chose Swamiji, but to spread Kali's message. And the only problem that Kali, Swamiji didn't believe in Kali, so there was no other problem. <laughs> that changed, so that was my, <laughs> my first talk I ever gave here was on this topic. Uh, so it's one of my favorite topics, as a Kali devotee, we really like this topic. Swamiji is a great Kali devotee. But, so the message, one of the messages of that Swamiji, of the Divine Mother, is give to the world for this age, the unity and universality of religion, uh, was going to be that came to Sri Ramakrishna to prove and live and, and, and validate, and then to be spread by his own disciples, right? So this is what Swamiji must have been. I mean, I'm assuming putting things in a little bit in Swamiji's mouth, but uh, what he was inspired to do, right? How to do it. So last time I was here, I'm, I'm going to have to because this I think is a very important. To me, three stories or similes or examples or metaphors—I don't even know what the word, what the right word is right now. Um, uh, uh, the Sri Ramakrishna told many, many times. I think if we think about, I, I think about these all. I think about them daily. This is our every conversation. We, our morning conversation is we drink coffee in the morning, and this is basically. Twisting these three or four stories, and Sri Ramakrishna trying to understand them, squeeze more and more out of them. Right? Um, the, the, the one of the one of the, these are all they all found in throughout the Tamaritan, The first uh, volume is there. The famous story of the four dots, the four uh, steps, four different dots that lead to a pond of water. Right? I'm not going to read the story, but you all maybe know the story. 
And so from one ghat, and, and the thing is in India, there are, there are different communities, they, they do things separately sometimes. And there's reasons for it that, we, that we don't have, we don't, we're not animated in that way. But from one uh, uh, part of the, of, the, of the river, from one set of steps to the pond, they, uh, the Muslim take, take water and call it pond, thank you. Right. From another, the Christians take it and call it water. From another, the Hindus take it and call it jal. Right. And actually, in some versions of the story, he even says, in some of them, uh, they call it agua. He <laughs> uses that interesting that, I guess, from the Portuguese or something like that, that Tucker knew the word agua and not just pani and water. <laughs> right. Uh, but he says, but then he says, it's the same thing. Right. The, the name is different. They're calling it different names. Right. And maybe even if I have a glass and pull it, you have a glass and pull it. The glass is also different, but the water is the same. And then Tucker says, actually, he says, it's the same thing. Right, he even said it's the same person. He uses this word, so we have to. It's even more mysterious, right? So this is a big idea, and but to me, the one I really gets to me is the chameleon story. That's my favorite, right? And the, in the chameleon story, you know that um, a man goes to uh, actually in the in the Nikolananda cleaned it up a little bit for our Western, our our British Western audience at the time, right? He says a man goes. He says oh, a man w- was under a tree and saw an animal. Right. Actually, it says a man went to go to the bathroom under a tree. Right. He went to, to defecate. The word is the word is defecate. If he went to get it, uh, clean, uh, clear it all under a tree, and he and he came back and said, told somebody, I saw an animal, amazing animal under that tree. It was a brown animal. Right. And the other person said, What are you talking about? I also defecate under that same tree. Right. I'm, I'm using it because I think it's important. <laughs> the one thing he left out, I think, is really interesting. Right. Because I, it's 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 not brown at all. It's green. And the third person, what are you guys talking about? And he heard, oh, you guys are both fools. You know, you guys don't know the animal at all. I, I also defecate on that same tree every morning, and it's red, like this, right? And so seeing these people arguing, right, another person, actually, Sri Ramakrishna identifies a Paramahansa, or he, in one place he calls the Paramahansa himself. He's the Paramahansa in the story, right? Another place he says a Vigyani, this is a different, important new uh, way of thinking about Sri Ramakrishna's teachings that are coming up. A Vigyani or a Paramahansa is the conversion of the story. And he hears them, and what are you guys talking about? And, they, and he hears what they're saying. And he goes, Actually, brothers, you're all right. right. I live under that tree, and I know the animal well. Right. That's the nature of a Paramahansa or Vigyani intimate experience, long, intimate knowledge, deeper knowledge of, 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 the, experience, of the topic. Right. And it's sometimes I see the animal is red, sometimes I see it's brown, sometimes it's green. Sometimes I see it has no color at all, right? And so, so and he says, of course, punchline, it's a chameleon that changes colors, right? And so it's interesting, he says, it shows you how, how um, large-hearted Sri Ramakrishna is, broad-minded and large-hearted. That's how we, in that story, brother, you're all right, right? You could also tell them, brothers, all of you are wrong, <laughs> right? Because you're saying something, you actually was very, they have some experience, but they're not wrong, they're, but they're more wrong than right. Right, the experience is real. Their interpretation is one hundred percent wrong. Right. Uh, so the, I think this, these are two stories Papur told continuously. Right, and I think these are important. I think there's a lot in Nokado. Another one that's famous is the um, three blind men touching the elephant, or or you know one person touches the the, 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 the ear and they say, oh, the elephant is very much like a fan. Other touches the trunk, no, it's like a snake. Someone touches the tail, it's like a rope. Other take touches the leg, it's like a pillar. Touches the side, it's like a wall. Right, and so they start arguing amongst themselves. Of course, they're all right, 
right? You know, they, they are they all they touch the elephant, right? But they don't have full knowledge, right? Uh, somebody somebody who has sight can see. Oh, all of you brothers, you're all actually correct, right? Because now this story is their limited ability, right? Uh, the other one that I that I really hits me a lot with Sri Ramakrishna is the mountain of sugar story. That an out there's a mountain of sugar and an ant shows up and he goes, Wow, a mountain of sugar, excellent, right? And he takes one in his mouth and puts one and eats one, puts one on his back, and he goes and says, Tomorrow I'll come and get the rest. <laughs> right? You know, it's impossible. A little ant can never like this. And so this is the infinite God Brahman, which means huge and infinite, right? Right? The fine whatever we are finite and God is infinite. That's a fact, right? No matter how you, how you make it. The, the jiva is finite, the mind is definitely finite, limited, and God is definitely infinite if God's God. Right, uh, so what can we know? You can know something. An ant does experience something. He does taste it. He has direct experience. He can't carry, he can actually give somebody else some of that experience, a little bit. We can never hold the whole thing. And then Sri Ramakrishna, that's great, that's like a beautiful story. But then Sri Ramakrishna, I think, gives a twist, or even a, a, a little painful thing. Even the great being, the great teacher, Shankaracharya, Sukadev, Dattatreya, right? These are the people we almost consider like God almost. These are the great Jagat Gurus. He says they're only big ants. <laughs> right? A big ant may, may be able to experience more, hold more, and can carry more. But he can't carry the whole thing. Right? Even the sages, even people we consider prophets and founders of religion, they are right. They have real experience, and they can give that experience, perhaps. Right? But they don't know the whole thing. Right? These things that show the infinite God, right, uh, 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 and it was infinite path to that infinite God. So with, 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 this, in, with this in the background, uh, uh, I think Swamiji's uh, statements make sense, right? So what, what time, what's our time limit right now? So, okay, I can do this. No, <laughs> I have, unfortunately, I have <coughs> Excuse me. So, this is a very important teaching of Sri Ramakrishna, which he thought was Divine Mother's gift to the world for him. Literally, you know, that's the understand. Swamiji came to America, and the first thing he said is versions of this, right? And in so many talks, he talked about this, right? There are three or four talks that are some of my favorites. One of them is at the beginning of, of Jnana Yoga. It's, um, what is it? Um, uh, the necessi necessity of religion. There he's like, where, where does religion come from? What is religion? And he gives a few pet theories of the time. Or it comes from ancestor worship, or it comes from nature worship, and expanded like that. There have been places, he, he didn't dis disagree with it. But he said that these, these aren't sufficient. He says he believed religion was the longing of the soul to overstep the senses, to go beyond the limit limitations, right? To know which is have direct knowledge of that which is beyond finite form, finite limitations, to know the infinite, to go beyond the mind and senses. And, and so that's, that's a very powerful definition, I think. Right? And of course, we know other definitions. And in it, at the end, he really, he, one of these things he says, so for all religions are good. In that case, all religions are good. They're all trying to do that. Everyone, all of us are trying, we should be. Some religions don't do this. <coughs> some religious people don't want to do this. Right? But he's pointing, this is the essence of religion. The desire to know, to experience, to transcend, to go beyond the senses, to know the divine reality, that hunger, that calling to, 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 uh, to, to go beyond. Thank you very much. To go beyond. 
He says, but so with this in mind, we have to look at religion differently. We have to broaden it. Right? He says that we'll have to, I may have, somewhere I may have, I'm on page three now, so don't worry. Funny, 20 more pages to go. So, see what happens. Uh, somewhere I have the verses in there. But he said that religion will have to be broad, broadened. Um, and the, the and there's very, very real differences in religions. Right? Right? Um, but he says we'll have to overlook those. We'll have to make compromises. Right? And to realize that diversity is important. Right? And, 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 and he says that it will be painful. Right? Nobody wants to compromise their, their ideals, not personally, but especially in relation to others. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, <coughs> uh, um, so this message of this, um, uh, uh, that's one of the talks. And there's another talk on the universal. Is, uh, do we need a, towards a universal religion? And is Vedanta for the world? There's three or four things like that about what he's talking universal things, specifically, the whole talk of these things. That's what I have in my notes today. Um, but from the parliament of religions, like I, I have, I, I did some study through a um, uh, interfaith seminary, uh, the oldest interfaith seminary in America, and they admit, they know in classes that oh, this whole thing started at the parliament of religions, right? And they know, and they also know, and it all really started with Vivekananda. They don't know much about Vivekananda, but they know that Vivekananda is instrumental, scholastic. They know these are the facts, right? But details. Because he's not in their mind, like it, he's in our, he should be in our minds a lot, but not he's not in everyone's mind, right? And so, since the Parliament, you know, there was already a move. The Parliament itself was an attempt at, at trying to find universal themes and harmony, um, but since that time, it's it's developed in so many ways, and it's challenged a lot of religions. And now people are thinking, how is it so, right? If if there if there's unity, if there's a truth behind all, if all religions are true, or or more than one religion is true. Two religions that claim different things, how can they both be true? These type of things that we believe it to be true, it has to be true. But if somebody asks us, how is it true, we don't know what to say. Right? If somebody challenges us, we don't know how to answer. Right? There's a thing, there's a thing. So a lot of, I've watched to the kind of academic study of, of the interfaith and pluralistic movements and things and the theologians, philosophers that have been working on these issues since Swamiji's time. Uh, I just really amazed that almost every every point that they write on or that they speak on, Swamiji <coughs> already spoke about in in these two three talks, right? He I think he worked such a mind he worked it all out. If we say this, eventually I, I just said this, and people will go like, yeah yeah yeah, right? Wonderful wonderful talking about Vivekananda. But give a few years, somebody's going to say, but what about this? What about this scriptural claim? What about this view of religion? That can that that doesn't that doesn't work anymore. So he was I think. Working it out in his mind, he, he came up with all kinds of answers before the questions even came up. Mm -hmm. Right. So what my original thoughts, we'll see. <laughs> I'm losing my enthusiasm to, to go through my notes. Um, um, is is the kind of like what are the major views of multiple of, of religious harmony or religious religious pluralism, mm -hmm. right? And because all of us have one of those views, right? And maybe it's not that clear. Right, and so we may think we 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 never really think what do we actually think, right? And then is what we think can we defend it, right? And does Swamiji say a thing about it, right? What's the is it it's like the you know, there's many things that I held very just naturally dear through school, and all of a sudden some of the classes when it says when it's spoken by somebody else, I realize well that doesn't sound that good actually, <laughs> right? The only thing I go did Swamiji really think that maybe he said maybe maybe Swamiji already dealt with this. Every time I found Swamiji already dealt with it. 
My, my, my idea is just to give a real quick, so it can be done quick, uh, a kind of um, bird's eye view of the development of some of the theories on religious diversity. Right? One of them is, um, of course, we know the interfaith movement and the um, ecumenical movement like this, right? Ecumenism, we use it. Um, ecumen ecumenism, ecumenism, there it is. Right? Ecumenism, I've been saying it wrong since I was in high school, so it's hard to retrain my tongue. Ec ecumenism. <coughs> Right is is um, a Christian movement, right? Because the Christian church was one was one church, then it was two churches, then it was three churches, and then it became seven thousand churches, like all like in a few years. It's like the the, the, the body of Christ, the, the the sangha, was broken, like anything, right? And and sometimes it's over you know a slight, the tiniest difference to a view of the Trinity or something like this, you know, and, and it becomes irreconcilable differences. Right, no longer in the body of Christ. Definitely not, not, not saved by this, by this tradition. And so there was a movement to reunite, heal, not necessarily make it one church, but to heal the different the differences in the church. That's that's where ecumen, ecumenical movement comes from. It really refers to Christian uh, trying to, to bring their own traditions closer. Right. So that's different. So and then we would consider probably in, and then interfaith is relations with other. Um, uh, these are like we use these terms loosely, but interfaith is relations between other Abrahamic religions, right? So Christians, how do Christians relate to uh, Muslims and and, and, and and Jews, right? The problem with, with, with that discussion is a very fascinating discussion. You can say, oh, it's one God or it's not one God or it's a final prophet or no, that he's not really a prophet or you know the arguments. There's very intelligent discussion that can happen in that field, right? But what about Vedanta? What about Buddhism? What about Hinduism? What about American religion? What about you know the nature religions? And you know that they don't quite fit into that discussion, right? So now a new term has been developed: intra-religious, where it's between religions themselves, right? Uh, where you like so you have like Hindu-Christian dialogues, and like we're, we're involved in those. But Oxford movement is very good at that. You know that's one of their specialties in a certain sense. I'm not good at that. I've not, I have very little experience of that. So you guys have much more. Right. So there is a uh, um, there is a, a, a theologian named Alan Race, and he developed the term. You know, we have theology and we have religious studies. Theology is a study of religion from within a religion. Religious, it's a religious study of religion. It's a very simplified and incorrect definition. I'm going to use that. And, and, and religious studies is the academic study of religion as a topic, not from within, not the, not, not the truth claims of religion. So he, he began to use this term, the theology of religions, right? Taking the discussion of interreligious, intra, inter-ecumenical religion as itself religious, as a religious topic. Can we, what is, what is studying about different religions say about religion itself? Right, and so he he used it's it's slowly becoming outmoded. So here I'm giving you outmoded material, but what to do? We're talking about Swamiji 150 years ago, so we can we're, we're updating the whole thing. Uh, uh, he he used a, a kind of a three um, um, uh, point model, right? Um, first is, is um, uh, we we call exclusivism. And you can imagine what that means. Exclusivism means exclusive. That that uh, that uh, basically it's a Christian doctrine, but we can we can find exclusiveness in, a, in every tradition, right? And that is the finality of Christ means there's no salvation in non-Christian religions, right? That's exclusive. So if somebody's one religion, or we could, we would probably wouldn't say, oh, Vedanta is the only way, 
or, or, or only, only those who worship Krishna and nobody else. That type of thing. We could, we could phrase it in a different way. We probably wouldn't. It's not the Hindu tendency, but there are such, such articulations in the Indian tradition, too. We have to be careful. Uh, but in, it's more known in, in some of the Abrahamic-based religions that there's only that, that there, whatever you think, there's only one religion. This is the religion that's true. If there's other religions, they're not true. They're not true. If they're true, they still not. They won't still won't save you, right? Right. And it's kind of based upon uh, like Aristotelian. My tongue's not going to do it today, right? Uh, ideas of truth of non-contradiction. If one's true, the other is not true. Right, you know, like if, if Jesus is the only way, then there can't be another way. You can't say Jesus is the only way and Ramakrishna is another, also the only way. And Buddha is also not the only way. You, know, you can't make such a statement. That statement, to say that, that there's more than one religion, is denying the truth claim of Christianity or another religion, right? They would hold that, the, that you can't just divide religions like this. Um, the second would be what they call it inclusivism. So you can imagine from exclusivism, doesn't seem very nice. Inclusivism seems that's a way better word, right? <laughs> right. You're, it means everyone's included, and so this is this is also developed. What's his name? Um, Carl. What's his name? I'm forgetting his name right now. Father Carl Radner. Right, Father Carl Radner. Uh, he died in the '90s, early '90s, and and he believed there's a, there's a view that like usually we think in modern presentations on TV of Christianity or maybe when you grew up in churches. The idea is that, that due to original sin, we, we are intrinsically uh, imperfect and not able to attain God and uh, uh, heaven. But Jesus came and through his act of sacrifice, right, uh, he removed the sin of Adam, right, and therefore now we are now clean, declared not guilty, as Paul says, and, and therefore can, can attain, right. But they always say, if you believe that he died for your sins, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, mm. right. But there's other there's there's other forms uh, developed theology within the Christian Church. It says no, he did that to everybody, whether you believe or not, right? And just like there's verses that support one view, there's verses even in the Bible that support other view, the other view. There's a verse that says, oh, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection saved the entire world, right? What to speak of those who know and praise and love them? So Christianity, our love of Jesus, is people who respond, who know what he did and love him for it, but he did it for everybody. Right, so behind, there's a, a great movie called Come Sunday. Anybody see that? It's about a, about a, a famous TV minister who had a bit of had a conversion experience away from, and they said everyone goes to heaven yeah. unless you're a bad person. I mean, every, everybody. The original problem is stop us from going to heaven. That's been saved by Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, he and he got kicked out of the church. Yeah. He was he was the first. He had the first mega church in America. He was a very important black preacher. Right, and he prayed in the, in the White House. You know, he was, a, he was one of, I'm forgetting his name, embarrassing right now. Uh, but very, very interesting. It's called Come Sunday. It's maybe on Netflix or something. It's worthwhile, worthwhile. You can see a little bit of this, this, uh, this uh, idea. And the idea is that actually Jesus has saved everybody, right? And everybody gets to go to heaven, right? Everyone's included, right? And if you if you're Christian, great. If you're not Christian, you're Christian. He calls it the the, the anonymous Christian or something like this, right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> the anonymous Christian. This is uh, 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 the concept of anonymous Christian, by which is understood an adherent of a particular religion whom God saved through Christ, but who personally neither knows the Christ of the Bible nor has been converted to Christianity. 
So this is a, we can also, we wouldn't say like exactly like that, but we could say things like, a little bit like that. It's like, oh, you know, those, you know, like, uh, yeah, because, you know, the, the, the truth of, there's truth in every religion, right? But you don't, you, actually, it, every religion is really Hindu to me. We can make like that, we can list word like that. It, right? Every religion really Vedanta. You just don't know it. We're lucky we know it. Right? Other people aren't so lucky they don't know it. But if, but still, if they're finding God, if they're sincere, God will save them or God will help them. Right? They'll find God. We can use that language. Think you were being really open-minded, and we are being very broad, broad-hearted by with idea trying to include it because we want, we need to include everybody. Right? We, we feel that the need, the need is there. So, so exclusivism, inclusivism. Right? The third in that three-point analysis is pluralism. Right, so this is probably closer to where Swamiji and Thakur are going. And pluralism simply means, of course, the word pluralism means there's many, and obviously many religions. But here pluralism means the belief that the world religions, that the world religions are true and equally valid in their communi- communication of tr- uh, the truth about God, the world, and salvation. So either the religions are true and valid, or more than one, maybe we can just reword that to more than one religion is true and valid. Right. Right. So therefore, our religion, even with our exclusivist claims, which hopefully we don't make such strong exclusivist claims, but is is one amongst many ways. Right. So Swamiji makes something like that. Popper says things like that. Right. We're not the only way. We're a way. Right. So we're one of the paths leading up the mountain. There's other paths leading up the mountain. Right. And the the famous um, uh, theologian philosopher is. Um, um, I was John Hick. John Hick. John Hick was funny because my he's throughout my entire school career he's my absolute favorite theologian and philosopher, right? And I forgot I I can never remember some reason until this year I can't remember his name, John Hick. <laughs> but he's a, he was a British uh, theologian. He taught at Claremont Divinity School here in Claremont. Uh, um, at the group group of schools and graduate schools in Claremont. He was very, very, very important, and he was the, the great exponent. He, he was an exponent of many important theological points, philosophical, philosophical points, philosophy of religion, but his specialty was religious pluralism. And he, and, and he, um, uh, and he, quote, he himself would quote another a verse from the Gita, same idea. By whatever men way worship me, even so do I accept them. For in all ways, O Partha, men walk in my path. Right? That's Gita, Mam, Pada, Right. <coughs> because what happens if, like, in Swamiji's closing remarks, he says one thing that the Parliament did it showed. Because what do you do in, a, in the Parliament? You have people of different religions talking. All of a sudden, you realize they're they don't seem that bad, right? They seem to be just as good, just as moral. Just as compassionate, just as inspired, just as passionate, right? Uh, uh, just as holy, right? And you know, people that I thought this was the quality of our religion, right? And that's a great quality of, of the modern, to say modern, uh, uh, where we I mean, look around here, there's so many different uh, skin colors and cultures and races in one room, right? It's no longer just one group, right? You're constantly exposed to the other. And you and, and then the other you realize well stop, they seem to be kind of like us, right? Even though if you, if, maybe if we talk religion we'll argue, but behind it they're, they're good people, right? And so John Hicks says you just look at all the different religious claims, all the if you're like okay 
true survivor religion. Well, we know it's true because the scripture says so. Other scriptures, other religions say the same thing, that their religions are true. Well, it might create saints, but there are saints in other religions. Mind is mysticism, direct experience. They're also claiming to have direct experience of God, right? Oh, oh no, no, you can see, I was a sinner. I was a drunkard. I beat my wife, and I accepted my religion, and my, my, my character's been transformed. That happens in other religions. All the markers you use, what's so distinctive about our religion? Or no, no, they're hypocrites, right? We saw on TV that what they, what they did, right? So you look at our religion, we have hypocrites in our tradition, right? Every so, for the, the things, the plus points and the minus points are all roughly equal, right? And so he says that if there's a truth, it's common, it's, there, there has to be a common truth, right? And the differences are, manifest, are in, in, in manifestation, right? And, but so when he was challenged, I saw an interview, and it was one of the rare videos that get to click hours on YouTube to find it. I don't know how I found it. I haven't able to find it again, but I was happy to find it one time, where, where he's being interviewed, and he says, well, what does that say? They said, no, the, the Christianity has God, right? Uh, 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 God's in the center, right? And Christians have God, and Muslims have God, and, and Hindus have God, and Buddhists have not exactly God, but the same. They have a God idea, just not personified. And personalists, and then he also dealt with that. Those of personal conception and impersonal conception. These are they're not the same, but there's enough similarities to call them within the realm of religion, right? Um, Buddhist conceptions like that. So, uh, 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 but when he was challenging, what did that say about like the, the actual claims of religion? Like there is actually no self. Right or or um, uh, uh, the Vedas are eternal or the Vedas aren't eternal. You know you can set that argument. Or Jesus is the only way. Right and Jesus is unique amongst amongst prophets, not just a prophet, not just a teacher. Well, and he and when the one that he goes well, it seriously weakens those claims, doesn't it? Right. You know it's like it's it's, it's that's one. It's like you, it's it's going to weaken the claims of each religion. And so since that time, I was thinking that oh, I found John Hickey, the Western philosopher, that given the best description of religious pluralism, right? And nowadays he's found, fallen out of favor by from religious people because religious people like when it's actually saying that that all religions are equally wrong. Not that all religions are equally right. Some claim. Again, I still like the system. I'm 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 still I'm still going through John Hicks writings and essays. Right, trying to uh, I and Maharaj spent half his book trying to defeat John Hicks. <laughs> comparing Ramakrishna's view to John Hicks' view of yeah. pluralism. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a, the challenge of it is even from the, within the Ramakrishna tradition to John Hicks' view. right? Uh, because it's kind of saying that we can't really know, there's God in the center, the divine reality in the center, but he can't really be known. And any experience we have of it is just going to be our projection or our culture, what we bring to it, our conditioning. Yeah. right? And so we use that language also too, right? That, you know, that, the, uh, 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 we, you know, that they're like what that verse that Brahman, uh, Alakshana, a form or thought is attributed to Brahman so that Brahman can be worshipped and thought about. Right? It's not intrinsic to Brahman. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's a verse. I mean, I've given lectures where we based upon this verse. It's a very famous way of understanding. But it's also not what Sri Ramakrishna said. Right? Sri Ram and, uh, 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 it's not that we. Sri Ramakrishna said that, oh, God's really formless, but due to our imperfect senses, we think of him as form. Or God is really uh, a, 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 a person, but due to our pre prejudices and our family traditions, uh, we think he's impersonal. Right? He said, no, whenever he said God is personal and impersonal, he's formless and with form. He's imminent and transcendent. He's intimate and, and universal. And 
many more things besides. Right? We don't, you know, it's, like it's, it's not like he, we don't know what he is, and therefore we make up what he is, and we're all kind of wrong. But we know there's God. That's kind of the, I'm, I'm overly, maybe not the most charitable presentation of John Hick. But it's, it's, a, it's a complicated uh, theology. Right? But that's not where we're is something different. Right? It's not like the, the, the people who touch that, that, um, that, uh, 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 that the, 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 the people who saw the, the animal in the tree saw the, exactly the same thing and then assumed, that, oh, it was red, it was, it was black, it was green. No, they saw a black animal, they saw a green animal, and they saw a red animal, mm. right? It was the same animal that was different, presented itself differently, right? That, that God is many different things, right? And, and so that's a very, I think it's a very interesting uh, stretching, you know. Five more minutes, okay. I'm just going to skip five more pages. <laughs> Replace it model, fulfillment model. I do want to mention one, one thing. There's a, 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 another school of thought that I think is very interesting. Like we've, formally, we've known about it, but only recently in, engaged more. It's called process theology. This is based upon uh, um, a philosophy of, of Alfred. Alfred Whitehead, who was a, a particular theologian, a great philosopher, mathematician, actually, philosopher of math- mathematics, who, who uh, believed that, that um, existence itself is changing, that it was relational, it was dynamic, which is not, um, some have found that similar to Schermacher's idea of Shiva and Shakti, or Brahman and Shakti, right? And their idea of, 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 of their version, uh, a lot of Christians follow uh, uh, this particular view, is that God is working in all persons to, to actualize potentialities in the sense that each religious manifestation is divine working in a unique way to bring out a beautiful, the beautiful and the good. The scriptures and religious represent, religion represents human interpretations of the divine. In this sense, pluralism is the expression of the divinity of cultural back, diversity of cultural backgrounds and assumptions that people use to approach the divine. But that opposing philosophies that don't match, that can't be uh, um, reconciled, they're both uh, they also have they're, they're different. God is acting through different cultures independently, not trying to make them all match. He's independent. So with five minutes, I shall switch to some of you. Skipping so many things. Next year. Samaji's <laughs> ideal. In the ideal of the universe of religion, Samaji says, we see in every religion there are three parts. I'm not going to read because it's like he says. So this is an interesting thing. I learned this in school in, in five different classes. I had the teacher in my religious studies class. Religion had three parts, you know, that should be written down, and that is a philosophy, uh, a mythology, and ritual. Right? He presents it like that. And there's other ways of interpreting, but this is an interesting thing. He says so. And he goes. I, I thought I would have time to read. I'm not going to read the thing, but. Uh, Every religion has these three parts. That's a, that's a way of understanding, trying to com- do a, com- a comparative study. So where is unity, right? Of course, we can say, oh, there, there are cross-cultural studies on, 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 on similarities of, of, of theology, of similarities of, of ritual, between ritual and similarities and mythologies, and we go to Camel's books and things like that, right? But really speaking, they're, 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 the, the, the harmony is not going to be in the teachings. The teachings are, you know, there's only one way, and there's many ways. There's only one way? No, there's only one way. Right, they're not harmony, right? My, your religion is a story of mythology. Mine actually happened, hmm. right? You know, or something like that. You can see there's no harmony in, at that level. So Swamiji rejects that that idea. Next some rituals. I'll find, finish it here. What then do I mean 
by the universal individual and the sound will be here. I do not mean any one universal philosophy, any one universal mythology, any one universal ritual held alike by all. For I know that this, that this world must go on working, real within real, this intricate mass of machinery, most complex, most wonderful. It's complicated, right? What can we do then? We can make it, we can make it run smoothly. We can lessen the friction. We can grease the wheels, as it were. How? By recognizing the nature, the natural necessity of variation. There is differences. Differences are not bad, right? We must learn that truth may be expressed in a hundred thousand ways. And that each of these ways is true as far as it goes. I like this line, as far as it goes. We must learn that the same thing can be viewed from a hundred different standpoints and, and yet be the same thing. Take, for instance, the sun. Suppose a man stretched, standing on the earth looks at the sun when it rises in the morning. He sees a big ball. Suppose he starts a journey towards the sun, takes a camera with him, taking photographs at every stage of the journey until he reaches the sun. The photographs of each stage will be slightly different than those of the other. In fact, when he gets back, he brings with him so many photographs of so many different suns as it would appear. Yet he knows the same sun was photographed by the same man, different stages. This is my underlying verse. Even so it is with the Lord. Through high philosophy or low, through the most exalted mythology, mythology or the grossest, through the most refined ritualism, uh, here performed it at Vedanta Society, mm-hmm. uh, uh, hopefully, or the most errant fetishism, fetishism, every sect, every soul, every nation, every religion, consciously or unconsciously, is struggling upward towards God. Every vision of truth that man has is a vision of him and of none else. Now, I have pages and pages of this, but this is, this is the core of Swamiji's message uh, in his presentation. And he gives, he presents many versions of this. Because he, he, he's also, pre- he's imagining, I believe, what he's reasoned it all out. Right? And if you read, go through his talks with this topic in mind, you see so many issues that have come up. Swamiji, I didn't have the time today, but Swamiji has um, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Spoken to them, but ultimately, this is he says that we that the unity of religion is, of course, Swamiji believes there is there's one core, there's a there's, you know one there's one being, then the, the whole thing. The impetus of religion is longing for that, for the infinite, mm-hmm. right, right. And there's many even contradictory ways, right. You can't walk on, you may not be able to walk on two paths at the same time, mm-hmm. right. You don't need to. Why? He says why? He one place he says why worthy your head over it, right. Walk on your path. And know that other people are walking on their path. Mm-hmm. This is broad-heartedness. This broad-mindedness. This is this um, um, openness, right? Respect, right? He says, don't, don't, don't uh, that, like he didn't like tolerance of religions. Right. You know, you know that. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's humility also, humility and respect. You know, Sri Ramakrishna would say, he says that my religion is right, your religion is wrong. That's stupid. We don't. How do we know? We don't know either of these true. <coughs> my religion is true. My religion is right. All you can say. Without realization, is my religion. I hope my religion. I believe my religion is true, right? And I have no idea about your religion. That's the. That's at least the bare minimum humble thing to say, right? Right. We can at least start from there, right? Yeah. But we should. But that's not that good. The best thing is I know where we can see. We can see. We can, I mean, the, the parliamentary religion. The parla- Every meeting of the Vedanta Society, right? Every meeting. You know, it, it, every you know, a party at school. When you're meeting different people, and you see, you see everybody's, everybody's. Uh, 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 um, um, uh, struggling, or even not struggling, whether they're struggling or not, everybody's going toward the same 
ultimate uh, aspiring for some towards the same. Swamiji's definition of religion, one of his great definitions, is uh, the manifestation of divinity already in man. Right, so that's a beautiful. Swamiji is great at redefining things. I love his redefinitions of everything. Education is a manifestation of the perfection already in man, right? And religion is a manifestation of the uh, divinity already in man. I'm going to read my last verse here. Uh, one of the things in that talk that I was quoting from, he, he ends up switching to the, presenting the four yogas, which is a unique thing of Swami Vivekananda, right? So the four yogas he's presenting is like, okay, whatever the goal, we, we know we have a goal that's, un, that's beyond us, and everybody's struggling for it. So the four yogas are ways that people are doing it, different natures have different tendencies, some are more emotional, some are more intellectual, some are more active, right? So he saw the four yogas, you can see that in all religions, is different temperaments of people trying to realize the same truth. That's his presentation of the four yogas, which you can get to. But the, I remember I was at the Delhi Ashram, at the Ramakrishna Mission Delhi, and some Swami gave a talk. I don't remember the talk, I don't remember the Swami. But I remember he gets very serious, and he was very, he was one of these orator Swamis. Like, yeah. Everybody, repeat after me, this, you're yeah. not a Hindu, you're not a Swami d- disciple if you don't know this verse by heart. You know, right. one of those type, you know, that type of personality type, right? And he says, this you have to memorize, <laughs> right? Every one of you must memorize this. This is the defi- this is Swami's definition. Of course, it's the famous, every soul is potentially divine. First statement. The goal is to manifest this divinity by controlling nature, external and internal. Do this either by work or worship or psychic control or philosophy. By one or more or all of these and be free. That's the four yogas idea. However you do it, do it it has to be done. And with other people, help them to do it or be quiet. If you can't help them, he's telling them then just be quiet. Let them live, let them do what they're doing. They're also struggling, right? Right? Doctrines, though this this is the whole of religion. <laughs> These are big say This is what real religion is: is a manifesting divinity already in man, right? By any method, any, all, many, one, only one, the final one, the best one, whatever your version of it is, it has to be done this way. Doctrines or dogmas or rituals or books or temples or forms are but secondary details. So you have a memorized. You should. All of you should have been able to mouth this as I read it. Because you know? <laughs> you're not a devotee of Swami Vivekananda unless you've memorized this verse. You know? But really, these are there's like four. There's a whole bunch of these. Like these. What is what is man making? What is what a new definition of truth? And you know, what strength is this? And you know, all these these. But they're great. They're, they're great dictums. These new definitions. These unique definitions. One of his definitions: human being is someone who's struggling for the absolute. That's his definition in that same lecture. Right, you know, it's like you know, these are great ideas. But we're all, therefore, we're all human beings, right? This is the purpose of religion. But and as we, I'm next year, I have 20 more pages <laughs> or another topic. Thank you for your time. Swamiji, maybe um, so I, what Swamiji has to is very important, especially, especially if you're a, a, I see the Indian community. When your kids go to college, if you're like, like for example, me, and you go and you're living in a dorm, and you're living in a suite. My suite, I two, three bedrooms. One person was a fundamentalist Christian roommate. Another person was from Palestinian, a fundamentalist Muslim. Another was a Japanese uh, who's Buddhist. And we go in there, first time getting away from home, who are we? We're asking these questions. What is our path? What is our way? So Swamiji's present, he's giving really, fu- you know, uh, statements that we should all listen to to understand what does religion mean to us and what does it mean to others. So, Swamiji, I think it's valuable enough maybe 
in the month of March. Instead of waiting there, okay. maybe you come for a lecture. Okay. Yeah, if you can, uh, we can have you come for a, a Sunday lecture. So maybe we can talk about that. Maybe okay. March is, because uh, yeah. we're scheduling now, so we can figure that out. Okay. Uh, so I'm mostly free. So we thank Swamiji for uh, speaking today and doing the wonderful puja. I, 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 I always get to see him do the puja. It's just riveting. You feel, you just feel being absorbed within and getting contact with the divine. And today is Swami Vivekananda's birthday, so thank you for bringing out the uh, spirit of Swami Vivekananda. Um, just another one last announcement. In the month of February, coming up, I believe it's the second Sunday, John, maybe you can correct me. Second Sunday, Swami Chaitanya 